welcome to episode number 14 of the Basketball Card Podcast. I am your host, The 27 Guy. Thank you for joining me this week, um, and thank those of you who have left me kind notes this last week, especially on the Eminence prod- projects that I posted a couple of um, blog posts about this week. Uh, it's been Those have both been fun projects, uh, in particular the Build a, build a Case or Build-A-Box uh, project, and so thank you to those of you who have um, who have left kind comments, and um, the I think I've probably gotten five or ten um, comments uh, or PMs this, this week on Blowout, and most of them were on that. Um, also, some other good questions and good comments, and so really just want to thank you guys for that. Um, also, uh, a lot of other things to talk about. This week, um, last week was a huge, huge week historic, uh, for, for history's sake in the NBA. Um, first off, huge congratulations to you Golden State Warrior fans. Uh, we've been talking about it for a couple of months now, saying that it was most likely that they would get to 73, and they did, and you can't give them enough credit. They, they were amazing. They lost a couple at the end that they probably shouldn't have lost and made it hard on themselves. Uh, they they were able to get through a couple of games that they maybe weren't so deserving of winning. The game against Memphis is the one that really stands out. Actually, the game against Utah stands out as well. Um, but the game against Memphis, especially because there was a call at the end of the game that they needed to win that. And so, you know, some people are saying, hey, they shouldn't have gotten a 73 because they didn't actually deserve to win that game. Whatever. Those are the sort of things that happen over the course of the season. Um, Steph absolutely fouled, uh, who was it? I think it was Lance Stevenson on the jumper. Um, but regardless of that, uh, huge congrats, congrats to, to the Warriors. And then my next question would be, um, if it, and this is, you know, something that we've talked about here on the podcast before. Did you see a, a bump in prices after win number 73? Think about that for a second. Did you? Because everybody's been writing, oh, they're going to go up so much more after they win 73. But did they? I think the answer is no, they didn't. And that kind of affirms what we've been talking about, where sometimes the value is actually already built in. Getting to an accomplishment isn't what creates the value. It's the anticipation of that. And, uh, and that, you know... Some people don't buy that, but that is the case. Winning 73, I don't think, really created a whole lot of new value for anybody. It wasn't some magic line that needed to be crossed. It was the process of doing that. Um, and as they became, as they got closer to doing that, that's where the Steph values and the Draymond Green values and Clay Thompson values uh, came from. So something um, interesting to, to take into consideration. Um, also notice what happened, what's been happening with the, the Steph Curry Tops rookie um, the values have pretty dramatically decreased. They're not um, to the sub $100 level yet. Um, I didn't think they would be until probably after the season. But uh, even some, some decent condition, it seems like the ones that are even in decent condition are, st- are between 160 and $199 now. 160 to $200. Uh, the ones that are in poor condition or are questionable in terms of condition or even sub $150. So that that fall from $400 happened fast. So hopefully that, um, hopefully as we've been talking about that on here, 
that that information has been beneficial to to some of you. I got one nice note from somebody saying, thanks for mentioning, talking about the the quantities of the Topps rookie. Somebody was, uh, and I, I don't remember who this user was, um, but they said that they were thinking about buying some and then listened to the numbers and the comparisons kind of blew them away. And so they elected to stay away from it. And they just basically emailed later and said, hey, thank you for that data. That was really helpful. And so thank you for saying thank you. <laughs> um, uh, let's, um, oh, yeah. And then the one last thing to sort of take note of that happened in this week in review was Kobe's amazing 60-point game. And that's something that in terms of collecting uh, in the hobby is hard to value and hard to understand the value of. Um from a selfish perspective, being a jazz fan, I have to say, as I watched the game, it was really like, I don't even know how to, how to describe it. It wasn't like watching a, like a, a car accident, not being able to turn away, but it w wasn't unlike that either. It was, um, Kobe's an interesting guy. Uh, the game was officiated in a way that was highly unusual. The game was more of a circus than it was a game. Uh, I heard Simmons talking on his podcast about how Gordon Hayward literally was just like beat up during the game and how he was probably laying in a hospital bed somewhere just because of the number of calls that, that weren't made that should have been made. The things that Julius Randle was doing on screens are illegal in every other game during the year, but they allowed them him to do that. And to a certain extent, even as a Jazz fan, I, I didn't mind it. I didn't mind watching him go out on top. The game was meaningless for the Jazz, and um, the Jazz were sitting two of their three best players due to injury um, in favors and Gobert. And so it was cool to see Kobe do what he did. He was hitting great shots, and he was making plays, and he looked like old Kobe, and I was happy for him. Um, I'm not a huge Kobe fan, but I am an and under, I do understand his meaning to the history of the game. You know, we're talking about the third leading scorer in the history of the league, a guy with five championships, and a guy who's been there for for 20 years. And I was happy to see him kind of go out in only in, in a way that only he could. You know, he shot the ball 50 times. He he shot the ball more than anyone has shot it in the last 40 seasons in a in a in a single game. My favorite stat was. That I think it was six minutes or eight minutes into the, the third quarter, he um, had shot his 39th shot, which passed Russell Westbrook for most shots in a game this season, and it took Russell Westbrook two overtimes to get to 38 shots. So the ultimate Kobe game, very strange, um, but you've, I mean, it adds to his legacy, and it was wonderful to be able to sort of celebrate him that night and um it's interesting i see a lot of people on blowout there's a thread uh, from a guy named i think forgiven one who is moving some of his high-end other laker stuff so he can buy some of the original kobe exquisite and high-priced rookie cards um or he's trying to trade for those or sell so he can buy those um and i think that's cool uh, i think people understand People and now, the last few years haven't been super positive for for Kobe. But at this point, I think people can look back and can recognize his importance to the game, his importance to that franchise, and um, I think it's 
I think it's cool. I think it's cool that we can do that in the hobby, that we can kind of remember and pick things up as as we recognize their importance. And I've picked up a few. I'm not sure which I'll hang on to and which I won't. I moved a, a very expensive uh, Kobe this week. I moved the 2003 limited logos um, of, of him. Uh, but I still have some, some really nice stuff. And I'm still holding that, at least for the time being. Um, but like I said, important important to the game. I just didn't love how the game was called. Okay, now let's get to the sort of meat of this week's um, this week's episode. The playoffs are here, and it's awesome. My Jazz didn't make it, uh, but um, but we've got sixteen other teams that are in the playoffs, and. Uh, even through, we're uh, I'm recording this Tuesday night, and the game that is on right now. Um, let me go look. The game that is on as we're recording this is San Antonio's blowing out Mem- Memphis, which is what we would have guessed, and Atlanta already beat Boston today. So, some teams have played two games, some have just played one. Um, but I want to kind of go into the series real quick. I'm not going to go into all of them. There are some series, the Miami series, for example, um, that I'm not super interested in. I'm not super interested in the Golden State uh, Rockets series, other than that um, Steph is not playing or didn't play in Game 2. But I'd like to hit some things that I think from a hobby perspective are important to recognize and things um, that I think that people aren't noticing that they should notice. So let's just go through them real quick. And in no real particular order, uh, the Avery Bradley injury was a killer to the Celtics. That's the 4-5 series. The Celtics are playing the Hawks, and the Hawks have home court advantage. And the Hawks kind of, I feel like, are, have peaked at the right time going into the playoffs. Uh, their team looks better. Millsap is is playing really great basketball. They're getting better shooting. Um they just seem like they're peaking at the right time and the smarter sort of basketball people that I know kind of already had them pegged as a team that would be most likely to be able to to give Cleveland a run for their money in, in the East. Um, I think that that's got something to it. With Bazemore and um, Millsap, you have a team there that can guard him and can guard LeBron in a way that's different than most teams can. Um, everybody knows how good the Hawks have been defensively the last couple of years as well. And so what's in particular, how this relates to the Avery Bradley injury, by the way, is Boston was going to present Atlanta with a, with, I felt like a really good series. I, I felt like Atlanta still would be the most likely team to win, but I wouldn't have bet on it. I, that's not a series that I would have bet on, but with Bradley going down with injury, they lose so much of their identity with that. And um, as we've seen through two games, it, it seems that Atlanta really is the superior team here. If they're able to put away Boston in game three and make this a four or five game series, that is going to bode well for them because while they have a, a matchup that seems good for them, the Cavs are facing the Pistons. And the Pistons, I don't remember what the final game was or final score was in the first game. Um, and I didn't get to catch very much of it, but it's, but, but, Detroit has some things that, that are difficult for them to deal with. Obviously, Andre Drummond's a 
difficult for any team to deal with because of his size and strength and what he poses down low. Um, but Reggie Jackson has these games every now and then, and the the shooting and the wing defense that, that Detroit has, um, KCP can defend. That guy can that guy can really defend. Um, I'm I'm was I was super impressed with Detroit this at the beginning of the year. I think they really underachieved this year. Although I think the end of the East was deep enough that that's understandable. If they can get their crap together here and uh, put together a little bit of a run, there's no reason that they can't be very competitive with Cleveland and make that a difficult series. Now, why this is all important is. If Atlanta is able to really run through that Boston series and get some good rest and prepare well um, for Cleveland, I I think that um, it's crazy to say this, but I think that Atlanta's got a shot in that series. Maybe I'm wrong. I, mean, I know they had home court advantage last year and they didn't. They weren't able to do anything against Cleveland, but something about them feels like it's they're better equipped this year, which obviously doesn't make sense because Kyle Korver's not who he was last year and um, some other things, but um, definitely watch that. If the timing works out poorly or Cleveland has to deal with injuries, Cleveland doesn't feel like they're clicking chemistry-wise. If it all goes wrong, it would be very easy for them to kind of turn on each other and for um, Atlanta to pull that off. How depressing of an Eastern Conference uh, final the NBA would have if, uh, if it was... Atlanta versus Toronto, um, or you know Atlanta versus Miami, or something like that. I think what we all want to see is we all want to see Miami versus Cleveland, right? That would be awesome. Um, so, uh, and that that could absolutely possible that could absolutely happen, a total possibility. But we'd have to wait till the conference finals to see that. So, anyway, um, that's uh, the note on Avery Bradley and sort of that quadrant of the uh, of the playoffs. Next note. Uh, Obviously, the Pacers knocked off the Raptors in their first game. Paul George just owns DeMar DeRozan, which is interesting because DeRozan's such a good player. He's an all-star level player. He is a high flyer. He can do so many things. But Paul George, when he when he has it going, is one of the real superstars of the league. And I mean that, like a top eight guy in the league when he has it going. It's just that he's been so off and on since the ankle injury in the um, in the basketball, what is it the U the the basketball World Cup um, that he had a couple of years ago, um, and with everything that's happened with Indiana, kind of losing their identity, and Hibbert going from being one of the more valuable players in the league to being traded for nothing, basically. Um, I think it's been a an, a weird a weird couple of a weird year and a half really from Paul George. He went from being the guy who had the chance to go beat Miami to now he's on a team with, I mean, who's his best teammate? Who's Paul George's best, Paul George's best teammate, George Hill, maybe. Um, that team, that team needs a lot of help. Um, but he, when he gets it going, can really get it going on both sides of the court. He's probably, I don't know which side he's better on, but he completely shuts down DeRozan. And with, Lowry's injury issues, and um, I think the men- mental hurdle of being able of, of knowing they haven't gotten past the first round—that's a tough series for Toronto. Um, they didn't—I don't think they wanted any part of Indiana. Like I said, the end of the East is not weak this year. The end of the East has something. 
it, I don't think that the conference in general is as strong as the West was this year. Um, I would still take the West as a whole, but the end of the East is is fairly fairly close to the to the top of the East, with the exception of how Cleveland's been. So um, I think um, Toronto won their second game, and they played with their lineup. Uh, their, and um, I think that if they if they change up their minutes, they they may be able to make it better. They got to get more out of DeRozan though. And speaking of DeRozan. I think DeMar DeRozan is an interesting play right now in terms of potential value, and I'll say I'll tell you why. He's not priced; his rookie stuff really isn't priced super high. His National Treasures rookie—remember, this is a guy who's an all-star. His National Treasures rookie can be found for sub five hundred bucks if it's not a great patch, um, and that's in an era where they only had one rookie patch auto. Um, he the the real the real thing that could could absolutely make his card skyrocket is he's an LA kid and the Lakers have a bunch of cap room and I'm not wishing this upon Raptors fans so forgive me Raptors fans but I don't see unless they win this year unless they at least make it through past the first round I don't see any reason why he wouldn't consider going to LA I don't know that that's the best decision, but I do know that value-wise, that's an, that's something that we've seen historically. We talked about this before before the trade deadline. Um, that's something that historically can can pretty dramatically affect values. The Lakers have the largest fan base, collectors-wise, that I have noticed of any team. Um, maybe Chicago's Chicago's up there too, but the Lakers I think have the number one fan base. And in terms of collecting, and so you get DeRozan in there, and I think people people are going to jump all over his stuff. I'm not going to lie; I picked up a few high-priced DeRozans this last week. Um, spent several hundred dollars on Demar DeRozan because I see his downside is very little, and I see his upside is very high. And um, I, you know, I wouldn't be shocked to see his high-end stuff double here in the next few months, but I would be shocked to see it decrease by a um, similar percentage i don't see it cut in half in the next couple of months so that's kind of how a hedge works right if you can ever minimize downside but really create a bunch of upside then that's a good investment and um, i think derozan has that so um be on the lookout for demar derozan um okay let's go back and i have an item ending i have to go check it real quick sorry forgive me it's my eminence case there it is. I still have some time. Still got eleven minutes. Okay, so um, next thing, um, mentioned the Pistons. Talked about the Raptors, Pacers. I'm talking all about the Eastern Conference, which is funny because I'm much more of a Western Conference guy. Um, obviously the Golden State Houston series is. I mean, even without Steph Curry, Golden State's a far superior team. And unless James Harden goes into crazy MVP mode and Dwight can can go back in time a couple of years, I just don't see how that can become a series, which is really an indictment on Houston and their level of um, competitiveness this year. They were the Western, they were in the Western Conference Finals last year, and they've laid an egg this year. And even without Steph Curry, they won Game Two. Um. So. 
uh, as we as we look at as we look at that series, I think it's going to go quick, and Golden State's going to get their rest. Um, I mentioned a couple of months ago. I'm going to give myself a little bit of credit for this. I mentioned that Portland would likely overtake Memphis and get into the five seed, and then I said that I thought that they had a real good chance against the Clippers, and I really did. More so because not because I thought too many negative things about the Clippers, but I thought so many positive things about Portland and what their two guard lineup was enabled to do. Um, but I really undervalued Chris Paul, and having watched a little bit, I watched about half of the of uh, Game One, Portland, uh, L.A., and. I was reminded of how awesome Chris Paul is, and the other thing that I that I sort of started thinking about and realized was that sometimes negative experiences can be the most beneficial thing to a team, not just a team, an NBA team or a, a sports team, but to to teams in life too. You think about how you are with your coworkers. If you ever have to really go through a war with them, you know, as an accountant, we have busy seasons. Um, after you've been through a number of busy seasons with with coworkers, you gain a relationship, and uh, and a familiarity that's important. Um, and I think the same thing happens with teams. I had previously thought that they'd had too many negative experiences to be able to come back from that. Um, this is my long-winded way of saying: watch out for the Clippers. Yes, I'm aware they're playing a historically great Golden State team in round two. And I would never bet on the Clippers to win that series. But, you know, everyone always brings up the couple of matchups this year that were so close. Where, where Paul makes things hard on Curry and where Blake's difficult to deal with and where DeAndre Jordan is a great interior defender and um, shot blocker. And they've got guys who they bring off the bench in Paul Pierce and... Jamal Crawford, who are who are older and they're not as quick as they once were, but they're battle tested and they can do some things. Watch out for the Clippers. I, I'm not saying that they're going to win that series. I'm not, but I wouldn't have given them any chance a month ago. I would have said a zero percent chance. With Blake coming back, with him noting realizing how good Chris Paul was without him, and with Chris Paul realizing how great Blake was without him last year, maybe, just maybe, they look at each other this year and say, what if we play to the best of our abilities? What if we cut the crap, avoid the pride, and just play basketball together? How good can we be? What if they get buy-in from everybody on that team? They start playing selfless basketball, and they do what they're capable of. I'm not sure they can't beat the Warriors, and again, I know that sounds insane. My logical brain says, no, you can't beat the Warriors. You can't do it. I'm just saying, watch out for them. I think I think there's something there. On the other hand, OKC lost in Game 2 to Dallas, and as we all know, OKC has vastly more talent, and they have the two best players in the series. They maybe have the three best players in the series, Dallas is hurt, but Rick Carlisle is so much of a better coach. It's not even close. And I thought the same thing as if OKC played Utah. I thought Quinn Snyder would have dominated Billy Donovan. Um, 
Billy Donovan's just not a great coach. And I said this at the beginning of the year. Scott Brooks was not as bad as people say. People say, oh, their offense was terrible at the end of games. Scott Brooks ran a number one or number two ranked overall offense in something like four out of the last five years. He did a great job. And they were always good defensively as well. They were always top five offense, top top five defense. Uh, or maybe top eight, definitely top ten um, in both categories and always super high in offense. But Billy Donovan hasn't done a great job. And Rick Carlisle's one or one A in terms of best coaches in the league every year. So I think, I mean, therefore what? What does that mean? Can Dallas win the series? I don't know if they can win the series. What I do know is if the talking heads start talking about is this Kevin Durant's last series with the Thunder, if they can create, if if there's any infighting or any chemistry that's lost and they start to get tight, it's easy to sort of envision them not fulfilling their capacity and not making it as far as they could. I still don't understand how they could lose to Dallas. Dallas is throwing several guys out there in meaningful minutes that are like replacement level players. So I don't know how they could possibly actually win the series, but given how the series has played the last couple of, the last game, it's not written in stone yet. And if Durant and Westbrook can't both really get going, I wouldn't count them out. Um, that so here I am just predicting all these crazy things, right? I, I'm not really saying that I think that both that Dallas, the Clippers, the Dallas is going to win or that the Clippers are going to beat Golden State or that Atlanta is going to beat Cleveland. But what I am saying is where a couple of weeks ago I would have anticipated a lot of these series to just be dump truck game over from, from, from the beginning of the series. I think we're in for some really interesting series. The other interesting component about the OKC-Dallas thing is even if OKC doesn't win, if Dallas is able to beat them up at all or make them doubt themselves at all and give San Antonio an easier time, then what we may have is um, a situation that's different than what most of the experts predicted. Most of the experts said, you know, San Antonio is going to have a hard time with OKC, and by the time they use all that energy up, you know, it's just going to be too late. Uh, it's going to be take too much out of them so that when they face a Golden State, that San Antonio will be in a lot of trouble. Um, that's what the experts were saying. But if San Antonio can just dump truck OKC and then sit there and wait on Golden State, what if Golden State has to play six or seven games against the Clippers? And I, I think that's possible. I think shooting for 73 wins really took it out of Golden State. I think they're tired. I know other people don't think they are because they're young or whatever, whatever, whatever. You're beat up at the end of an NBA season and you're your body you've used all your energy these running as much as these athletes do is hard on the human body and they're really tired and so i really think that uh i i think that they've i think that they've got a lot taken out of them i think they've got to do whatever they can between now and the clippers to find rest they've got to go through golden they've got to go through houston quickly and then they need to really hope that Portland can win a game or two against the Clippers. If they can get some days of rest between each of the series before they get to San Antonio, then I think they've still obviously got a really good chance to win that. But if they don't, and if San Antonio is able to get the rest, and if they're able to go into that series healthy, and Golden State's not completely confident in it, in it 
um, we may see a 73-win team that doesn't win the championship. And as I mentioned before, the value that you look at in these cards right now of Steph Curry is already anticipating that he's going to win 73 games and that he's going to win the championship. The values didn't really change when he hit 73, and they're not going to go up that much more when they win the championship unless it's the just the most amazing performance you've ever seen, unless he's scoring 50 a game and five straight games or something crazy like that. So um, as, you, as you consider buying and selling and flipping and all those sort of things, keep those things in mind. P.S. I still have a couple of high-end Steph cards, um, two cards out of Eminence that I haven't moved, and so... I mean, I'm not I'm not a Steph hater. I want the guy to succeed. I'm just telling you guys how I see it. So um, I don't I don't think this stuff's going to tank either. I, th- I think they're still the most likely team to win the championship, um, and so I think the values are pretty are pretty clear. I think the tops rookie will still keep going down because I think it was artificially inflated. But anyway, that's our review on or that's my review on playoffs. Uh, I'll check in with you guys next week. Uh, moved a step closer this week to the conversational pieces. Um, if you get a chance, tell another basketball card ju- junkie about the podcast. And again, you can follow me at the 27 guy on Twitter. Feel free to tweet me with any questions you have. We'll do another mailbag here in the next couple of weeks. Until then, signing off and happy collecting.